0: Log Talk Radio. Ancient aliens, UFOs, UAPs, CERN, the Christmas Star? That's coming up next right here on The Parker J. Cole Show. to the Parker J. Cole Show. I am your host, the Queen Parker J. Thank you for joining me. I'm so excited about this particular episode because I'm going to be talking to my returning guest co-host and contributor today, Doug Woodward. He is the author of over 20 books. He is a researcher, educator, and he's also an entrepreneur. And he's going to be expanding on some wonderful ideas that's based off a series that he did with another podcaster called Heavenly Signs and the Gospel Truth. We're going to talk about that in just a few moments. As always, we want to thank you for your support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And this year is our 10th. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net, click on that pink follow button, and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. And so, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest co-host today, Doug Woodward. Doug, how are you doing today?
1: Hi, Parker. I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, I'm... uh... You know, we're a little cold here in Minnesota, which is where I'm living now, and I'm understanding that uh, tomorrow we may have 10 to 18 inches of snow, so we're a little anxious about what that's going to mean, but other than that, I'm doing fine.
0: It's so good to have you back on the show, Doug. It's been a minute since you've been on, and I get your emails about your newsletters and what you're doing, all that good stuff, and when you sent me this message, I had to have you back, and so we're finally here. For my listeners, you know I'm into sci-fi, science and Doug is knee deep digging into the ground with this type of thing and he sent me a message about heavenly signs and the gospel truth it's a 4 hour series that was broadcast on a podcast called Dr 10 Penny and it talks about many different things and i am going to be touching on some of the aspects from this 4 hour series so i'm going to invite you to go check out the full series by going to dr10penny.com slash whole truth. Again, dr 10 slash gospel truth. And that information will also be in the show notes below your link here. You are using heavenly signs or understanding of the cosmos around us and really bringing it together with the gospel truth. And one of those heavenly signs is, of course, the planet Mars. We are fascinated with our red neighbor. One of the things that brought us together was your book that you wrote back in 2014 called Lying Wonders of the Red Planet, Exposing the Lie of Ancient Aliens. And it's been about 11 years now since that book's been out. And do you think the information is static? Do you think you need to update it
1: or is it spot on? no it's still very relevant and i stay pretty close to what's going on with mars and there's new things that i discover but there's really nothing in the book that's wrong it's uh, a lot of it is kind of a walk through of the history that we've had with the red planet and what's probably of particular interest given your introduction is the fact that humanity's interest in mars is linked with humanity's interest in the occult and the two of those things go hand in hand which is a theme of the book as well.
0: Another aspect of your book that you pointed out was when we began to probe the skies and when the ancient astronomers, what do I mean by ancient? We're talking like the 1800s, <laughs> not too ancient. When they looked at Mars, we did not have as fine-tuned telescopes like we have now. So when they looked, they thought they saw tunnels, they thought they saw cities and all sorts of things. But there were some other things going on. What are some of those things that you touch base on in your book, A Lion Wonders of the Red Planet?
1: Yeah, well, certainly you're right. There's a number of famous names. One of them, the American, Percival Lowell, was very famous for his study of Mars and his drawing of uh, the lines on Mars and his uh, determination that those meant canal. they were canals, and that the Martians were moving water from their polar caps down into the planet to irrigate and uh, create crops that was what his thought processes were and so he was very instrumental and of course he lived one of his claims to fame was uh, involved in helping to discover the planet pluto planet x at that time but he was uh, sort of doing all this stuff right around 1900 1905 1910. so he was he's an important person and he just like uh, some of the other parties that we could talk about really connected the occult and uh, spiritual issues, if you will, with the planet Mars and the the study of Mars and so forth. And so, yeah, he was uh, very instrumental. Uh, One other name I'll quickly mention is a guy named Sky Pirelli, who was a Jesuit priest and did some of the original mapping of Mars back around 1850 and created a map and then he too saw lines and he called them canali which you know really kind of just means water channels and so that's kind of where the whole concept of Mars and canals kind of got associated was from those original viewers, astronomers of Mars.
0: Now in your four-hour series that you did with Dr. T, you talk about Mars. What are some of the things that you bring out because you say that can lead to the deception of the last days? Tell us a little bit about
1: that. Well, it kind of begins with the fact that probably the main starting point of the book is that really since the 19th century, there has been, you know, within all of humanity across the globe, an interest in the red planet. And there's a connection between that and contemplating civilizations on other worlds and the belief that there really were little green men, that there were Martians, that they were humanoid, though and uh, that they had a civilization on Mars. And then it sort of morphs into the thought or the beliefs of a number of folks that uh, like uh, Richard Hoagland and Mike Barra, some of the guys that are doing and writing books today in today's time frame about Mars, that before we were Earthlings, we were Martians. And so there's the view that life began on Mars and somehow humanity was there and it came to Earth. And we became Earthlings, but it all began on Mars. You know, all this stuff gets into some pretty far out cosmology and spirituality. Call it theology, be it it's really you know, closer to paganism and a very different, you know, that God is is sort of uh, E.T. And that whole issue of the gospel of E.T., as I call it, which is really the basis of the ancient aliens show that's been so popular you know, it all started with the interest in Mars and Eric Van Dyneken, of course, in the 60s, it really kicked off some more interest in the issue of did the aliens once visit us? And so all these things are kind of connected, as it turns out, back to Mars. So I go into a lot of different facets of different authors that wrote about Mars, different views, some of the common ideas back in the 1950s, that there were pyramids on Mars and that... That idea still holds today. Many people still believe that there are pyramids on Mars. And once again, that leads into the same issue of spirituality. And so I find it a fascinating thing. And obvious that's why I wrote a 300-page book about it.
0: Another thing that you talk about when it relates to Mars is this idea that we did not come from the Lord who created us. We came from ancient aliens who are more adept with knowledge. Therefore, they created us. And this is a common theme in a lot of sci-fi movies, even in some papers, that our origins are not of Earth origins, but of some other origin story. Mars still completely fascinates us. Do you think the reason why the Lord put these things in our cosmos is just to help us learn more about him?
1: Wow, that's an interesting question. You know, ultimately, I think there's probably some truth in that. You know, looking out beyond the earth, looking into the heavens, certainly there's, I guess it's Psalm 8 that talks about, you know, the glory of God and seeing the handiwork of God and so forth. So I think that in terms of understanding His infinite qualities and His power and His creativity, the heavens certainly show us that. I think, though, that, you know, that While that's all good, it's also, as we've seen lately, come to be a source of deception. And so humanity, in its unwillingness to acknowledge God, to acknowledge Yahweh and Jesus as the creator, has come up with its own idea about where we came from, and that is an extraterrestrial. So it's seemingly more like a natural, non-spiritual thing to believe in the extraterrestrial, origin of humanity than to believe that a power like God outside space and time, you know, would create in space and time life as we know it. And so I think it's just it's part of the rejection of the traditional story, conventional view that God created us that causes people to latch on to these notions of coming from extraterrestrials.
0: The thing too about having an extraterrestrial origin is that Essentially, they're pretty much like us. They are fallible, limited, finite, where God is not, and he holds us to a higher standard. If we had alien creators, would not be held to an higher standard. Those are some of the really interesting philosophical questions that come to mind when you start to really probe these topics. I did a show with my good friend, Travis Doug, and we called it What Aliens? teach us about God and to show just how alien God is as opposed to when we consider ET and we use pop culture and science fiction to help hone in that idea. But having a transcendent God who is outside of time and outside of our reality is quite alien because alien gods would still be in our reality, but they wouldn't be outside of it. They would still be controlled by time, not outside of time. They would still be affected by the natural world and all its laws. They would not have created it. So these are some of the things that go into discussion when we talk about. And leading to our next point, naturally, leads to our next point here is about UFOs and UAPs. There's been a lot of chatter as of this episode. We've shot down four unidentified objects. Some was a spy balloons. They're saying one was a some balloon club balloon that they put up there, which is actually pretty funny. If that is true, it's pretty funny because we spent a lot of money shooting down $12. (laughs) So, uh, Pretty funny. But we've got all this UFO, UAP talk going on right now. Now, I did a show about this a few months back and I did a more of a general idea. With UFOs and UAPs, what do you think is happening with the narrative that we are being given?
1: Well, it's, you know, of course, for as long as I can remember, the, the issue has been the U.S. government denies all knowledge of UFOs, and then something changed about, oh, maybe three years ago, where all of a sudden it became cool for the government to talk about UFOs, but they tried to change the narrative in part by coming up with this new term of UAP, Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, and, uh, and then all of a sudden they started showing us some films taken by Navy pilots that weren't new. These films were taken back like in 2003. You know, if you want to see pictures of UFOs, there's a lot better quality. But the government didn't want to give us too much information. You know, the theory is that it's an operation, an op as it's called, and that they're preparing humanity for an alien threat, an alien threat that is manufactured by the globalists, by the people behind the scenes. You'll certainly hear that if you listen to like Daniel List, The Dark Journalist, and others that believe that that's really what is going on, is that the government really isn't disclosing, it's deceiving. And so it remains to be seen what will happen, but that seems to be what's happening right now, is that we're being prepared for an alien awareness, an alien presence, And those alien presences are not all beneficent. So I think that's where we are. And I think that most people believe since the guys that have come out and have been talking about it were former CIA guys, that this is the intelligence services trying to take control of the narrative and to cause it as another or to use it as another way to control the population. So uh, remains to be seen, but that's the theory about what's going on.
0: When you mentioned that, it reminded me of an article I saw some time ago where NASA had hired various religious leaders to be part of their program. And in the article, it mentioned that they wanted to see what people or how people would react to an alien invasion if there ever was one. That was about a year and a half ago. I may have the time off a little bit, but it was relatively within the last three years. So I don't know if I can say, okay, Doug, they're definitely manufacturing this. I don't know if I can say that, but it is something for us to at least be concerned with. What do you think would be the object of manufacturing?
1: Yeah, well, I think the the theory, and I'm talking about a theory that I don't necessarily agree with, but it's come a common point of view from those that follow the UFO situation, is that it is a means for the government to increase its control over the people. And basically, there's been ways that the government has used media as a means to misinform and basically propagandize the population. Um, And we see this on a variety of fronts. But the idea that UFOs exist, that E.T. exists, that E.T. may not be good, you know, these are all things that can frighten people and keep people in fear. And so that's the theory about what's going on. There are others like Stephen Greer, who is very noted in this area, and he's made a lot of movies. And they're very good movies, but he certainly believes that all of the ETs are all good, and they're coming to Earth to help us, they're trying to save us, and so forth. And so he's a very smart man, but I don't really agree with him either. You and I probably both believe that E.T., lots of times, it's really just demons masquerading as aliens and trying to deceive us into believing things about reality that just aren't true. And so I think that's what's going on. And, you know, we just have to be very wise and very discerning about this and watch carefully, you know, and just recognize that the spirituality that we have that's conventional, that believes in, in a God that's outside space and time and created us to earth to reveal God more perfectly to us. You know, those are the things that we need to stick with and not necessarily believe that E.T. is going to, you know, show us a new path to uh, to spiritual truth.
0: It goes back to the point about alien gods, and there is a spiritual component to that. And you talk about this in your book, Lying Wonders of the Red Planet, the fallacy of ancient alien ideology or theology. It's this dependence on fallible beings to help us figure out our problems. And it's also interesting that it shows a self-awareness of our spiritual sinful state. We look around us and we see horrible things happening every day. And it's quite depressing. So we think we have to be saved from ourselves, but we don't want to do it the way God did it. The Lord sent his only son to die for our sins to take us out of our sinful nature so we can be one with him. We don't want that. We want our autonomy free from god but we don't want the liberty that god gives us and that is what some of this comes to mind too now i'm going to be honest i actually agree with you about the demonic influences however i think if we did find other beings on another planet the first thing we want to do is tell them about jesus (laughs) like do you know who he is that's the first thing i think every christian once they pick their mouths off the floor That's probably the first thing we'd wanna do. And that brings me to another point because I have been following as much as I can, every single thing I can about James, the wonderful piece of technology. We are probing the universe and seeing things in ways we have not imagined before. What are some of the benefits of having that type of technology? And what is that doing for our understanding of how we view the world today?
1: Right, well, it's having a dramatic impact the cosmology, the understanding of the cosmos, which is tied to astrophysics and astronomy, even particle physics, all these things kind of come together. And James Webb telescope has actually allowed us to see as far back as the universe probably exists. It's showing us the first early galaxy, the first star. And so it's able, it's so powerful, it can actually take us to those places. Now, there's a whole issue of timing and whether or not that first galaxy is 200 million years old or 500 million years old or whatever, but uh, the age that it's uh, showing us, which comes about as a result of what's called redshift and some other means that they have of measuring heavenly bodies far, far away, that it's showing us that the concepts of a gravity-based universe which is really, that's the universe of Einstein, that it's gravity that's the most powerful force in the universe and it's what causes the stars to come together, the planets to come together, and all that kind of thing. Well, James Webb Telescope is challenging some of the necessary beliefs about how gravity would have worked in the early stage of the universe. And what it's showing is that all the theories about gravity are suspect. That gravity may not be the principal force. And of course, I believe that the folks that have been doing the Thunderbird or Thunderbolt project, and it's called the Electric Universe, that they're onto something, and that they are showing that the primary power in the universe is electra- electricity, electromagnetism. And it turns out that it's literally 39 zeros times greater than the power of gravity. So it's uh, billions and billions of times stronger. And that it has to be factored into the cosmology. And it better fits with the notions that uh, the James Webb Telescope is giving us. And so uh, it's on the verge of radically changing the uh, our concepts of astrophysics and cosmology, which will be, I think, for the better... And will probably cause us to question our scientific understanding of things and uh, push us back to looking at the foundations of reality.
0: This is important because in another book that you co-authored, it's called Revising Reality, A Biblical Look into the Cosmos. And it's the first volume. This book came out back in 2016. So James A. Webb wasn't even launched at that point. They were building on it but it wasn't launched at that point. And now you're discovering that these things you said several years ago are coming into fruition. And this book was co-written by Anthony Patch, Josh Peck, some of you know, I love Josh, Gonzo Shimura, and yourself, Doug Woodward. And I invite you to get your copy of Revising Reality along with Lying Wonders of the Red Planet, because it really will challenge your ideas of what you think the world is about. Now, with the electric universe, it comes into another subtopic of the digital universe. And the digital universe sort of saying that it's a simulation. And we're not talking about like a game, but we are real in a digital universe. What are some of your thoughts about that? I talked about this on the show earlier this summer, last summer. So like your thoughts about that. Yeah.
1: Well, there's one of the key theories in cosmology that is really mind-blowing is the idea that there are multiple universes And that everything that happens, every decision that's made, every action, creates a new universe. And that what we are experiencing is one universe, but there are billions of others. And so that's been kind of a a key premise of modern astrophysics. And it's kind of problematic for us to go down that path.
0: Well, for me, with the multiple universe idea, it really starts to make man the god of it. That's one aspect. Personally, we don't even know the boundaries of where we're living at right now. Okay, where's the front door to the next universe? You couldn't even get there. I did a show about this too. You couldn't even get to the boundary of the next universe. It literally is an argument from silence or what it is also doing is saying, well, the decision is not God's. It's just we have multiple universes and every decision that could have been made, there's an alternative to that where it limits our ability to take responsibility for our actions.
1: That's right. I think that there's all of these conceptions. They're ultimately, like you're saying, they're really excuses. (laughs) They're ways of of, uh, basically denying God, denying responsibility, and trying to come up with a cosmology that gives us, excuses us from being responsible for what we do. And if we believe in millions of uh, possibilities and millions of universes, you know, it sounds like we can't be really held accountable because somewhere we did all the things right, you know. (laughs) So it really is a great deception. And, you know, this is built on, you know, the concept of uh, particle physics and, you know, uh, quantum mechanics and um, the uncertainty principle, Heisenberg. And uh, all this ultimately also ties into the concept of the theory of everything how to unify what we believe about the large scale universe with the tiniest portions of the universe. And this multiplicity concept of universes to some extent is generated by this belief that we really can't understand fully and we can't really explain the nature of reality because of this uncertainty that goes on at the smallest level of reality.
0: These are just some of the things that you talk about in your series that you did with Dr. Tenpenny called Heavenly Signs and the Gospel Truth. I invite our listeners to go visit that podcaster's website. Again, it's com slash gospel truth. Again, drtinpenny.com. That's T-E-N, for so truth. Four hours. And not just about Mars and what we were talking about today, He's talking about Mars. He's talking about CERN. He's talking about what we briefly touched about, revising reality. And then he talks about the Christmas star. And you may be wondering, what's that got to do with anything? A lot. And so I invite you to go ahead, go to this podcaster's page, listen to this series, because we can't go all into it on my podcast, but I have never been one to be selfish with my authors. (laughs) So go and visit this podcaster's website for the full interview, four hours, and I know you will be invigorated by the discussion. Now, if we want to get in contact with you, Doug, where can we find you online?
1: Well, I have several different places where you can find me. Certainly, my website is uh, www.faithhappens.com, and Faith Happens has a hyphen between Faith and Happens, so you have to have that in there, otherwise it won't go the right place. All right, so that's my website. I have a YouTube channel, which you can look up by my uh, marketing moniker, which is uh, Doomsday Doug. (laughs) So, you can find my YouTube channel out there and there's, oh gosh, I don't know, 50 interviews that I've done with folks on these kinds of topics and other things. Uh, My books are at my website, but they're also at Amazon. So as you said, Parker, I've written, I guess it's about 20 books, but who's counting, right? And uh, they're at Amazon. And you can find uh, both a you know paperback, card copy, as well as Kindle copies of almost all my books. And so you can find me there. You can see me on Facebook, S. Douglas Woodward. But I encourage you to go to my newly revamped website and uh, take a look at the blogs. It's a lot of information that's free and available to you.
0: Doug, when do you come back onto the show, we're going to talk really about CERN. And we know CERN is a fascinating tool. It's going to give us a lot of information. However, there are some dark things behind it, and I can't wait to talk about that with you the next time you come onto the show. For our listeners out there, Doug will be back as we talk completely all about CERN. It's a fascinating topic, very interesting things that I think you need to know about, and just for you to be prayerful about it. We do want to explore the cosmos that God created, do it at the risk of blowing up the planet. <laughs> so There is a lot going on with that topic. And that's our next topic with Doug when he comes back on to the show. So, Doug, thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, it's great. Great to reconnect after quite some time. And just a, it's a real fun conversation to have with you. So I appreciate it.
0: Oh, yeah. And I always adore what you do. And, you know, I love when you send me your things. So it's not that we just haven't connected like we are now, but we, I do get your emails and things. I do read them when I get an opportunity, too. So it's definitely that. So, Doug, thank you so much for being with me today.
1: Great. It's great to be with you and your audience.
0: And we were talking today to Doug Woodward. He is an author, researcher, and educator, as well as an entrepreneur You want to get his book called Revising Reality that he co-authored with three other authors, and it's talking about a biblical look into the cosmos. You want to get that book, and you also want to get Lying Wonders of the Red Planet. So if you are really titillated like I am by these topics, these are the books for you. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of the Parker J. Cole Show. You have a wonderful, absolutely glorious blessed day, and God bless.